Welcome back, everybody. This week's RevOps podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcox, CSRO here at Revenue.io, joined by my co-host, founder and CEO and all things revenue science, Howard Brown. Howard, how are you doing today? Doing great. Excited to be here. Uh, with us today, Steve Hallowell. Steve is the VP of Strategic Services from High Spot. Steve, it is fantastic to have you with us. You know, we're big fans of what you're doing in the space and you know, leaning into you know, your background and what else you're seeing in the market right now in the world of enablement, I think is going to be of high interest. So welcome. Well, thanks for having me here, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's, Steve, dive right in. You know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, the the market. Obviously, Jermaine, to everybody right now is we're in a pretty, you know, seismic shift coming off a decade of just grow, 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 grow for most organizations, most sectors. And now there's a lot of rationalization. There's a lot of people focused on like core fundamentals in their business. And one of the first things people tend to do is rationalize the business. They cut, like we really need to look at the headlines that's happening every day right now. You know, when you think of ops and we think of enablement, these often are functions that are looked as kind of nice to have sometimes, right? And they, and they get cut, teams get cut there. What are you seeing in the world right now? You know, what, what's happening from enablement leaders you know, what, what's shifting in the market from your lens? You know, I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on there, Alistair. And I, I think that enablement is at a, at a juncture right now. It's a crossroads where there are two paths that I see. And different teams are going to go down one of these two paths. One is the nice-to-have path, where enablement is sort of just like any of the many perks that have been lavished on employees over the past several years, it, it goes the way of the, the the fancy gourmet lunches. It was a nice to have for for the team, but not really seen as something that's core to value and therefore something that can be cut when we need to trim down. Certainly not not the path we wish upon anybody. Uh, the other path, though, is one where you know, look, we're at a time where we need to get the most out of our sales team. Sales productivity has never been more important. Sales teams are being cut, but the the numbers are often are not. Um, and there are a lot of sales leaders staring down at some pretty big goals that they need to figure out how to hit. We know that hitting those goals requires getting the most from the individuals on the team. We can't be in the days anymore where we've got maybe 20% of the sales team that, that hits their number and blows it out of the water, and 80% is kind of coming along to the ride, doing the best they can, but not realizing their potential. And when you look at it through that lens, we say, you know, we're, we're only going to succeed in selling if we are selling value, we're selling at high levels, we're creating urgency. Those are skills and behaviors that, that enablement can, can build into the team, can, can institutionalize. And so when the enablement team is truly an instrument for maximizing productivity, that's a very different place to be. And uh, you know, it's certainly a much more interesting place to be for everybody. So I'd love to hear, Steve, you're, you're over at High Spot. How, how does High Spot help sales organizations improve those outside the 20%. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to refrain from the high spot advertisement. I'll give you a little bit about what we see the best companies do with regard to this. Now, of course, this is what we build our, our product to support, but there are two, two key places we see companies struggle as they're trying to drive change. The first one is, you know, all many companies have these big executive pronouncements, you know, we're probably no different, but you know, you say, Hey, we need to sell value. We need to we need to you know to sell senior levels. Uh, we need to sell solutions. But it's actually really hard. It turns out to translate those top level ideas into what does it mean for a seller to go execute on that tomorrow? 
what exactly do you want that seller to go to? And so if you think about getting the 80% to behave like the 20%, you got to drive behavior change. I know, Howard, this is an area of, of interest to you. If people aren't doing things differently as a result of your enablement, it's hard to drive value. Yeah. And yet, if I don't know exactly what it is I want my people to do, how am I ever going to get them to, to change in, in the way I want them to? So that translation process from, I wish you would go talk to CROs more often as you're selling. Well, what does that actually mean I as a seller should do on Monday morning that's different from what I do today? That's the first piece. The second piece, and, and, and we see many companies that, that, that really have a hard time kind of getting that nailed down. Second piece is, if I know what it is I want my team to go do differently, can I operationalize the change process? All too often, enablement is this sort of set of scattershot stuff where we, we got some content, marketing puts out some content, we drop some content out there. We do some training, managers are coaching about something. Those things often aren't linked. You often don't have data to say, who's doing those things well, who's not doing them well. What we see the best companies do is they, they operationalize that change management process. And you know, guess what? For the ops listeners on the call, it's a lot that you can do to support this, where you understand different, different stages of that process. If I put some, done a really nice job documenting what good looks like for my team, I put that out in an enablement platform. Who's read the darn thing? Nobody's read it. Maybe we didn't do a good job packaging it, or maybe we need to drive a little more rigor around you know who's who's accountable for going to pay attention to it. If I've got training, if I've got certifications, are they getting done? There's an awful lot of training that's put out there. Nobody finishes it. Well, that's a waste of everybody's time. If it's actually good training, maybe it's not good training, but if it's good training and people aren't getting it done, how am I ever going to drive change? And then lastly, one of the most important pieces in a place I think you guys have a role to play in this is, am I doing it in the real world? Is it actually happening for real with the customer? Do I know that? And am I, am I, are my managers engaged to give the feedback and help people really become excellent? You want to string that stuff together and again, be able to see who is moving through this funnel or who isn't and deal with those things up front versus waiting six months, nine months, 12 months into a change process and saying, oh my gosh, we rolled out this new messaging. Nobody's using it and our numbers aren't. Hey, Steve, I have a follow-up question. A lot of technologies today talk about really codifying that process, right? How do we codify this process and move it so that it's operationalized, right? There's a lot of different applications that are within a organization's tech or marketing stack that are supposed to be doing just that. And a lot of leaders say, hey, we, we have all the technology, great. I feel like we're trying to solve process problems with technology, right? How do you step back and say, okay, we have all these technologies. We know what's working in certain technologies. Other things are working in this technology. How do we just go step back and say, okay, yeah. what is actually good or great look like across our marketing technology, our sales technology, our SDR technology, our convert? How do you step back and say, let's look at it? Let's put it, because sometimes we spend too much time on technology. I feel like, should we just be whiteboarding the darn thing? And like, what is marketing like old school? And then we can build it out in the technology. How do you deal with that? How are some of the best companies you're talking to work through that process? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a great question, Howard. And one that, man, I remember when I was at Dreamforce, the number of conversations I had with revenue leaders, <laughs> my head's exploding. I know I've got too much technology. How do I rationalize it? How do I focus on what's really important? And so you know, I tend to think about three buckets of 
process, which the line to three buckets of technology. You have the top of funnel work. And yeah, I think that's a place that there's been a, a tremendous amount of automation and technology applied to it in recent years. Because frankly, it's an easier thing to automate of the, the at scale activities across your marketing team and your sales development team that hopefully get you to the point of talking to a live person. Now you've got, okay, I've got humans talking to humans and I've got to make that conversation better. That's a lot of where we play. Certainly you guys have a, have a big role to play there also. Then you've got the closing forecasting process, uh, what's real, you know, a lot of where um, you know, certain players in the market are, are spending a lot of time there. Very important to have, but a little late in the game if what you're trying to do is change that that human human conversation. And so where where we at Highspot think there's been real underinvestment is how do you help your humans be more effective at talking to other humans? And I, I'd imagine you guys might agree with that also. Just a little bit. Yeah. And and listen, that, you know, to be really clear that the technology alone doesn't solve that. Technology can help. And I and again, I think where technology has a big role to play is helping you operationalize that process. That if I have no visibility, I don't know who's doing what, there's too much friction for whether it's my sellers trying to access this information, trying to do the work we ask them to do whether it's managers knowing who's done what, have we followed up, do we have completion or at the senior leadership level, and how can I kind of track these initiatives and say, what's tracking and what's not tracking, and and am I am I likely to actually go change this behavior? That's the place that technology has a, has a real role to play. That's also, frankly, why you know, my, my team exists at iSpot is we, we work a lot with customers on the non-technology pieces. The best practice, I think, in the enabled world is still pretty nascent, that People don't go to enablement school. There's there's not enough uh, great practices out there that show folks how to get this right. And that's one of the things that we're investing in quite a bit as a company to, to help the market know what good looks like. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and dig in a little bit. Alistair, I get excited about this particular part of the process. So yeah. I'm an organization. I'm able to understand certainly what content uh, is top of funnel what customers or buyers are looking at, what content, great. So now I get that. Now I have the human part, right? And I need my human beings to follow a process. And somehow I'm tracking what that process is. I identify what's working and what's not. Now I have all this sales enablement or customer success enablement content, right? And I'm trying to align sort of a buyer's journey. So a buyer that's incredibly complicated. They go through all kinds of different journeys depending on who the stakeholder is. Is it a VP of sales? Is it a procurement officer? Is it a sales engineer? Whoever, you have all of these disparate stakeholders. As an organization, I need to understand each of their journeys based on the challenges that they face so that I can properly address it. Now I have dozens and dozens of pieces of content. How do I figure out, how do I orchestrate that content to align to the conversation tracks, to the buyer stages? How do you do that before you get into the technology? Yeah, it's a good question. So I, you know, I, I, I kind of break out a little bit. You're, you're absolutely right that great companies are gonna have a fairly well-defined sales process that anchors not just on what I do in my systems and the operational side of my business, but I'm being clear about how I'm moving the customer conversation forward and what the major sort of jobs to be done in that process. 
And so that's, a, I think, a, a very important thing for a company to have when we talk more about, about what it means to build that out. Then there's the piece of, it takes a certain set of skills. We, we want to make it easy as possible for reps to then go follow. They also need the skills to be able to do that. That's where a lot of the, I see the enablement discipline coming into play. Um, so if you've defined that process, one of the things that we recommend to customers all the time is you have, for each stage of the sales process, you curate a little sales play or sales kit that says, what does good look like here? First off, what are you trying to get done? Two, do you have maybe a, a video of one of your, your best reps that, you know, actually doing that thing? Is there an example you can point to? So often we tell our reps to go do something. We don't give them many examples. How in the world are we going to have them replicate that if there's not a good example of what good looks like? Maybe it's some tips and tricks from best reps of how they approach that. Of course, it's your you know content or resources that you would use at that stage of the process, but it's just all in one place. You surface it up in Salesforce. You make it really easy for them to get to. So this is not heavy-duty training. This is your quick reference guide of what am I still supposed to go do? You can, of course, then back that up with the training. There, you know, it may be you've got a set of skills that you need to go deeper on and you need that extra level of practice. And by all means, you should go do that. But that that kind of quick reference concept and just taking friction out of the process for the rep is, is pretty critical. And again, you're right that you still need to do the work to define that sales process. And that is not a software thing. You know, Steve, I think it's really interesting through the content, how it's set up. I, I, I want to take it to the point of then action as well, right? So like I think I think that's so important. It's my experience as a gardener and everything else. You'd often see enablement teams, they want to rush and buy the technologies, the content. It does help light that up. It does help us see that. They know they got to build these best practices, but getting people to use it is is actually sometimes really hard as well. And I don't know if this analogy will work for you and Howard, but I'll, but I'll attempt to give one. You know, I finally broke down and uh, succumbed to an Apple Watch and uh, went and bought one. And the reason was, is we went okay home gym and stuff like that and fitness. You know, it's always good to try to keep one in, in shape. But you got a gym, you got things like the Apple Fitness on our phones, and which is fantastic amounts of content, right? Not a commercial for Apple, but the fitness studios, all those things, great training programs, all those things. Yet, most of us still struggled to get motivated to go do those things, right? So we, we've got the content, we've got the platform, we got the stuff. I can even follow people who are amazing at this. But it was when, why did I go buy the watch? Because the watch was, it's the thing that's actually bringing me into the process. It's bringing my heartbeat, my O2 levels, my training program into that process where now I directly can correlate the benefit to me into my training and see the success of what that's going to do. And we're in the new year. It's the classic time for everybody to kick off their fitness programs anyway. But people tend to drop off because they, they, they don't feel that connection into what is actually doing for them. So that's, you know, this, the parallel, this, the analogy in my head of, you know, what's that, what's the step that links the person in where they realize and can quantify the benefit of enablement? I think it's a, it's a key step. And I, and I do think it's one that is, is also often missed. And I think it's the place that the, the ops partnership is just, is really critical that every salesperson should have a set of operational metrics that help them understand what they're strong and weak at and where they can then quickly figure out, hey, look, I'm not doing as good a job moving my early conversations, my first conversations into sort of truly qualified opportunities as my peers are. I get to get better at that. 
That's step one, both for the rep and for their manager, of course. The manager plays a big role in this and say, okay, hey, Bob, you know, you've got some work to do here. We can see it in the data. Now we're going to put you through an enablement program that's going to help you get better. There, there's an old you know, tenant of adult learning. We, we don't, as adults, we don't pay attention to learning unless we think it's going to help us. You know, we, we need to have a reason to believe and a reason to invest. And I, too often, the operational metrics of the business don't create that need where they should. And it's another part of translating that high-level strategy into action, into action at the individual level. It's one thing to have a, you know, a bookings plan, a demand plan that is at the aggregate level. Can I translate that down to me as a seller and how I exactly am doing relative to that target to help me and my manager diagnose what my strengths and weaknesses are? And so once, once I'm armed with that, now I can have pretty specific interventions. Uh, often, there are a lot of sellers that don't know what they don't know. And they don't know where, where their strengths and weaknesses are. And that's really the job of the manager and the company to help them realize that and you know, give them some of the motivation to say, I got to go invest and make this thing better. You know, Alistair, I just want to use your, the analogy and that part of the challenge that I see in the technology space is that we're attempting to get people to change way too many behaviors at once, right? Like we know that the typical human being carries a phone and wears a watch. They may have a wallet, right? They may wear a ring. These are things that they do already. And so the best, most immersive technologies in that space are in your watch, are now going into rings, are on your phones. I think as technology leaders, we need to think about the places where people live and where they spend their time, right? Because Right now, there are hundreds of new pieces of technology, and we're all trying to be that space or place where people live, as opposed to figuring out, like, guess what? I don't want four watches and anklets and necklaces and rings on our, like, I'm not going to do that. So if you build technology that will go to the places where I spend my time, maybe in my car, on my watch, on my phone... That will make sense. But I think we're all trying to serve the same folks, our salespeople, our RevOps lead, but we're all trying to own everything. And the problem is we're distracting the human beings who actually need to engage with our buyers, our prospects, and they're inundated with stuff. So if we take a moment, get into the eyes and the experiences of the people we're trying to serve and spend more time there, and when I say serve, I mean the customers we're engaged with and the workers we're trying to enable and stop worrying about who owns all the real estate will be able to serve, better serve our stakeholders. Yeah, I think, I think there's two pieces to that, Howard. You know, one, you're right, there's a technology piece. And, and I do think that's one of the reasons we're seeing a lot of consolidation in this space is that I don't want to have to switch between 25 tools, you know, and there shouldn't be 25 tools for a lot of these things. Well, that's Let's have you know some some platforms that cover more surface area to just take a lot of that for each other. From a non-technology piece, though, your your initial point about we ask people to change too many things is spot on, and it's one of the classic mistakes I see in enablement. Where you think about the the change curve, where you know I get all this work when I'm introduced to something new, and it's really hard, and I'm doing a lot of work to process it, and I'm trying to make sense of it and see how it applies to me, and it's only after I go through a lot of work do I get the payout of this new thing is actually helping me make more money as a salesperson. Right. But what we do is we, we get people like 
right about at the depths of that change curve where they put in a whole bunch of work, but they're not getting value out of from yet. We move on to the next thing. Then we move on to the next one. And then we move on to the next one. And, you know, as senior leaders, we say, well, look, we got these big targets for the year. There's things we have to get done. We're just going to jam it through. What the best companies do is they, they, they recognize there's a bit of go slow to go fast in here where if I'm just throwing stuff at people, I'm not getting value out of any of that versus I'm going to pick something and I'm going to make sure people get really good at it. And so that means I, yeah, it looks like my throughput is less, but I'm actually getting return out of those things. So until I see that people are on a path to, they're kind of aware of the new thing, they practiced it, they're building some confidence, they're doing it out in the real world. Great. Awesome. Now they're down that path. Now I can go to the next thing and I can knock the next pin down. We tried to knock down all the pins at once. We actually don't succeed at any of them. That's right. And it's a tremendous amount of yield loss, both for a company and the enabling team and the and the individuals at stake. Spot on. At the end of the day, simplify it down, focus on three or four things. You know, I think an average corporation can't really successfully execute on more than about three to four major items in a given quarter anyway. If you got a slate of 20, 60 initiatives as people head to their planning cycles, it's very hard to, to get a, a effectiveness off of it. That's also where, again, the partnership with ops, where between ops and enablement, the commercial excellence function needs to say, what's truly important for us to get right? What does the data say the biggest needs are in our business? Let's focus leadership in on that small number of things. Yeah, lots of sales leaders are a bit distractible. They have a lot of things they want to get right. This team together needs to say, what's most important? Can we all align on the problem we want to solve? Let's all believe in that. And now let's go execute on it and, and, and be a little honest with ourselves about what that looks like. Yeah, I think, and, and there's a lot of data there to consume, right? When we think of there's the sales enablement, we got customer success data, we have external data sources, we have uh, the SFA components coming in. There's a lot there. And that's where a good ops team understands how to synthesize that down to three to four things at any given time. You know, you, like Howard, myself, you know, we, we often live in this, hey, we're, we're trying to help people in the here and now. We tend to get a lot of questions about also what's going to happen for tomorrow? What's going to happen next month? Where are we headed on all of this, this entire category? And there has been a tremendous amount of noise over the holiday season around the openness of AI, not just open AI, but you know the, the more ubiquitous natures of that. You know, I'd love to understand what you're hearing, where you're going, and what we think is going to happen next in the market on that side. But we are out of time for today. So let's cue that up. And I'd love to have you back and dive into the future state, thinking of what you're seeing the high spot and across uh, uh, you know, the customer sets that you're engaging with as well. Howard, Steve, fantastic having you both here with us today. For everybody listening in, please don't forget to like and subscribe and check out our new dial-in number with questions you can ask myself and Howard. You can reach us at 323-540-4777. That's 323-540-4777. And join us on the next episode. And we'll attempt to get Steve Hallowell back. Howard and I will dive into some future state. Steve, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.